Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, Fusion Church. Happy Monday. Happy New Year. Happy start to not just a new day and a new week together, a new month of soaping, but a new year in 2024 together. I'm so excited to be with you all this morning um, as we dive into God's Word to begin our year. We're in Ezekiel 11 to begin. So get there in your Bibles or your Bible app, what we need to turn to. Um, as we go into this new month of soaping, our focus and our theme overall it's not just fasting as we prepare for Daniel fast in the coming weeks, um, but also miracles in seeing God move and speak and reveal and protect and just do all his amazing miracles for his people. All right, so we dive in. Uh, it's Ezekiel 11, but first, let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for another day, another week, another year, God, in your presence. Lord, thank you for 2023 and the ways we saw you show up, ways we saw you provide and protect. God, the ways you spoke and moved and just did incredible things above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. God, thank you that we're still here. No matter what our 2023 looked like, God, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs and the sideways, God, you were there with us and we're still here. So God, thank you that we know we can trust you in 2024 to be there again. I pray God open our hearts and minds, eyes and ears, not just today or this week or in this time together, God, but in this next year, like never, like never before, so we can see you and know you and draw closer to you, God, in everything we're going to face ahead. We ask and pray and trust all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so, like I said, beginning a new month of soaping, January 1st. Um, so we're going into Ezekiel 11 here, and I'm in the New International Version, the NIV, and so it's entitled, uh, for me, God's Sure Judgment on Jerusalem. Let's dive in. Verse 1. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the gate of the house of the Lord that faces east. There at the entrance of the gates were 25 men, and I saw among them Jezaniah, son of Azur, and Palladiah, son of Benaiah, leaders of the people. The Lord said to me, Son of man, these are the men who are plotting evil and giving wicked advice to the city. They say, Haven't their houses been recently rebuilt? The city is a pot, and we are the, and we are the meat in it. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, son of man. And the Spirit of the Lord came on me, and he told me to say, this is what the Lord says. That is what you were saying, you leaders in Israel. But I know what is going through your mind. You have killed many people in the city and filled its streets with the dead. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The bodies you've thrown there are the meat, and the city is the pot. But I will drive you out of it. You will fear the sword, 
and the sword is what I will bring against you, declares the sovereign Lord. I will drive you out of the city and deliver you into the hands of foreigners and inflict punishment on you. You will fall by the sword, and I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This city will not be a pot for you, nor will you be the meat in it. I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. And you will know that I am the Lord, for you have not followed my decrees or kept my laws, but have conformed to the standards of the nations around you. Now, as I was prophesying, Palladia, son of Benaiah, died. Then I fell face down and cried out in a loud voice, Alas, sovereign Lord, will you completely destroy the remnant of Israel? The promise of Israel's return. This next portion of scripture. Verse 14. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, the people of Jerusalem have said of your fellow exiles and all other Israelites, They are far away from the Lord. This land was given to us as our possession. Therefore say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. But as far as those hearts are devoted to their vile images and detestable idols, I will bring down on their heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Then the cherubim, with the wheels beside them, spread their wings, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. The glory of the Lord went up from within the city and stopped above the mountain east of it. When the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the exiles in Babylonia, the vision given by the Lord of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> then the vision I had seen went up from me, and I told the exiles everything the Lord had shown me. Amen to God's word. <clears throat> All right, so have a sip of water, a sip of coffee, whatever you need. Let's dive in. <clears throat> so, backtracking a little bit, and then we kind of jumped in. In the middle of something here, right? In uh, chapter 11. Um, but beginning back in Ezekiel 8, a few chapters earlier, and we see where this whole, whole kind of story begins of, um, of Ezekiel. And he's having a vision from God. He's in the, he's in the country of Babylon. He's um, you know, like one of the exiles, right, from Israel. And he's, he's a prophet, one of God's prophets, and he's being told this prophecy and being warned of the impending doom that the Israelites are going to face because of the spiritual rebellion and their division and their straying from God. And we know how God feels. It breaks his heart. You know, same way we as, as parents or even just as human beings, right? When we have friends that fall away from us or children or a partner, a spouse, whatever it is, you know, when people, people face division, it breaks our hearts, right? So imagine God as our creator. How much more it breaks his heart in all of this. <clears throat> and so Ezekiel's having this, this vision 
from God. And he's seeing these men, Jezaniah and Palladia, and these other leaders of the people. And how God's telling him how these these leaders are leading his people astray. That they're plotting evil and giving wicked advice in the city. And the men are saying, Haven't our house has been recently rebuilt? Like they're like, God, we've been we've been through this, God. You know, isn't this aren't we safe here? Aren't we, you know, this is a time of, of provision and security. But the men in the city are these 25 leaders are only seeing this season of of life through an earthly perspective, right? So they're relying on their houses being rebuilt. They think the city's a pot and they're the meat in it. Like they're giving this really great vision of um, which sounds really good, right? You know, think of like a crock pot and some soup, you know, it's sweet, it's warm, it's comforting, you know. And so these men are essentially saying that they're letting their guard down, right? They're getting distracted from the relationship with God and all of this. And so um, that's what, so God's showing Ezekiel, this is what these men are saying. And yet they're not good people. You know, they're, they're leading the God's people, my people, astray. And we see this because Ezekiel's trying to warn them. He's trying to prophesy to them. You know, and they've, and it's not, again, it's not the first time it's, it's coming up, right? It's not, it's not like the, it's a new generation. We see in generation after generation, even ourselves now, right? How um, God's people, us, are forgetful people, you know? We forget what God's done in our lives, just like the Israelites have done. And so, um, so, the, so Ezekiel's trying to warn these, these leaders, hey, we need to fix this. And they're ignoring him, right? They're ignoring him or even denying him because of this feeling of false sense of security, of false peace false contentment, of relying on what they can see, their houses, you know, and just how people are, are living their lives. But God knows what's coming. And so is Ezekiel here. And let's be honest, it takes courage for Ezekiel to preach this to the people because it's not good news, you know? No one wants to hear that they're going to be overrun and destroyed and led into exile, right? And so I think it takes a lot of courage for Ezekiel you know, to to share his message and to be the bearer of bad news, really, you know. Um, and it, it, gets, it gives us a great example as fellow Christians of, you know, what it looks like to be living our faith by by being bold, you know, and sharing God's messages that he gives us, the gospel message of Jesus, right? And with, with grace, but also conviction, you know. With, with empathy and understanding for what people are going through and people who are lost in their sin, just like us. And yet also that firm foundation of biblical truth, of Jesus, of, of the gospel, of God's word. You know? Because again, just like Ezekiel, we're going to see people we're trying to preach to, we're trying to share our testimony with. We're saying, eh, no thanks, I'm good. They'll deny it, they'll ignore it, they'll say, See, you trust in God, but I got this nice car. I got this nice bank account. Hey, I, I got this cushy job, right? And so even now, you know, generations and generations and thousands of years later, we're still seeing, you know, this division where people are looking to what they can see with their earthly eyes versus what God really has for them. God's best for his people, for our lives. <clears throat> and that's even where, you know, the more we dig into God's word, where we can find how to build those discussions up, right? 
you know, those spirit-led, Bible-driven conversations to lead God's people, to lead your friends, your family, your co-workers, you know, whoever it is, lead God's people back to him. And even, you know, this is a great area too, where if you're not sure sometimes how to have those conversations, reach out to a staff member, reach out to a dream team leader or connect group leader, you know, and say, hey, I have a friend, I want to invite them to church. How do I do that? You know, and it's just a great way sometimes is to have <clears throat> those conversations. Like we said, with grace, but conviction, with empathy, with that firm foundation on Jesus to lead people, especially in this new year, back to a relationship with him. Because we're going to see what happens when people don't have their relationship, right? The further on we go down. <clears throat> uh, in verse, verse five. How we see how Ezekiel is is, show, is telling the people what the Spirit of the Lord told him. That's what you were saying, you leaders in Israel. But I know what's going through your mind. No matter how it looks to the people, how great these leaders look, God knows what's in their hearts and in their minds. And it's evil. It's wicked advice. And it breaks his heart because it's not what he wants for his people. Even for the leaders, you know, it's not what he wants for his leaders. And yet he's seeing how we follow, you know, poor leadership in any level of our lives, right? We have the wrong people surrounding us, the wrong people speaking into us, and we see where it leads to. Verse 6, you have killed many people in this city and filled its streets with the dead. <clears throat> because the actions of these leaders have consequences. <clears throat> and the actions we take, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, to hurt others comes back to hurt us too, right? Now, Matthew 12, verse 35, it reminds us, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone who has given an account on the day of judgment, that everyone, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. So Jesus is confirming here in Matthew 12, what Ezekiel is being spoken to. How those who are plotting evil and giving wicked advice and judging and destroying others, in the end, they're really destroying themselves as well. You know, they're allowing their own evil thoughts and plotting and advice to come down and hurt them, not just others. Uh, <clears throat> and seeing how, how God, you know, these people, are, these leaders fear the sword. So trying to avoid, you know, avoid um, punishment, avoid conflict, avoid, you know, uh, just looking like, like not good leaders, right? They're looking for their own reputation. But in the end, in verse eight, the sword is what I will bring, I will bring against you, declares the sovereign Lord. So we keep, we keep going through it. And we see how Ezekiel in verse 9, verse uh, 9 through 12, how Ezekiel actually turns the tables of this pot analogy on the leaders now, right? <clears throat> he says uh, in verse 11, This city will not be a pot for you, nor will you be the meat in it. I will execute judgment on you at the borders of Israel. And so we're saying how, he's saying how, you know, they have this great image that, it's a, it's a crock pot, you know, it's warm and comfy and safe. But the reality is that these leaders 
actually being cooked in the pot, right? It's not pot. This is not pot for them. It's pot for those the nations and the people surrounding them, right? Their enemies. The enemies see the city as a pot, not for the Israelites to enjoy, but for their enemies to enjoy, <clears throat> to come through and to, to ravage the city, right? And to, to eat them out of house and home, literally, and spiritually, you know, they're ravaging them spiritually and seeing how there's so much um, that by, by conforming to the standards of those other nations, they're losing their relationship with God. They're losing that nourishment and the nutrition of, of, of God's sustenance, right? And so we're seeing how it's, and God has to stop this. You know, God, because he loves his people so much, he can't let it continue, right? <clears throat> and so it's, it's hard for us sometimes to wrap our head around this this image of God, you know, because we think of, we see God as love and we want, we want to focus on the loving God, the caring God. He's those things, right? He's kind. He heals. Like God's amazing. He's, he's all those things. And yet, also, he's also a righteous judge because he loves his people so much, because he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring redemption. But those things can't happen without judgment. And so even though it's so hard to read sometimes in God's word, we're seeing how that righteous judgment is being executed over these people because he, he wants his people to come back to him, right? <clears throat> and so he's, and, and how God works things, right? He's driving, he's saying he's going to drive his people out and deliver them into the very foreigners and nations that they have conformed to the standards of, right? And it's a lesson for all of us, you know, be, to be careful who you are surrounding yourself with who you're conforming yourself to because those are the people sometimes that God will use to bring about that judgment that, you know, in the steps towards redemption and the steps to bring you you're closer to him. But in the end, you know, in the end, we, we have how God can work all things for good for those who love him. Amen. And yet that, that judgment has to happen. You know, we still have to see how God is delivering and driving his people into their enemies. <clears throat> and why is it? Because it says twice here in this portion of scripture, in verse 10 and verse 12, then you will know that I am the Lord. Because it's it's so hard to read. But God has to deliver his people into their enemies. He's emphasizing the seriousness in those the in that phrase. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Because in his punishment. Is the only way for his people to recognize and return to him. That's how far gone they are. And they're so far gone at this point that they, they haven't acknowledged him. So the only way to come back to him is to see something so drastic, so painful, that they can't help but they can't help ignoring him anymore. They can't help but return to him, acknowledge him, and repent, right? Because sometimes God has to wreck us and humble us. For us to know that he is our Lord. And we need to repent and return to him. And so we're continuing on. <clears throat> Verse 13. Um, as, as Ezekiel's prophesying. He sees one of the men. Palladia. Die. He, and, so, and so Ezekiel falls face down. And cries out. Alas sovereign God. We completely destroy the remnant of Israel. Because Palladia. Um, that name means remnant. 
And so Ezekiel is crying out. He's scared now. He's he's confused. He thinks that in seeing this this leader die, it's a sign of the remnant's not going to survive. And that's why the next thing that God speaks in verse 14, um, and the NIV is entitled, this portion of scripture is entitled, The Promise of Israel's Return. So verse 14 and 15, we see how God is reassuring Ezekiel here, right? That, therefore, this is what Sovereign Lord says, Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Even in exile, even when they are far from him, physically and spiritually, he's saying, I've been a sanctuary for them. What blessing and comfort it is for us to know that even when we're far from God, even when we're messing up, we're in rebellion, we're, you know, whatever we're doing that's not God's best for us, and yet God never leaves us. He's always there to be our sanctuary. He wants to give us that protection and that peace on a daily basis, even in the midst of our sin, because he's that good and that loving, even in judgment, even when saying, hey, you want to sin? You have free will. That's your sin to make. That's your choice to make. He will let us walk and do what he want, you know, what we want to do, even though it breaks his heart. And yet he can't help but love us by staying close to us, being that sanctuary sanctuary for us in that sin where we have gone, in that 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 false sense of peace that we have gone, that false security where we have gone, that um inappropriate relationship where we have or job we've taken, you know? And all these things, this exile, this self-exile, right, of ourselves, God is still a sanctuary for us. And you see how, again, God reassures Ezekiel here in verse 17 through 18. <clears throat> I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel again. He's a God of second chances, church. Then and now. <clears throat> again, so beautiful as we go into this new year, right? Not just again, a new week or a new month of soaping, but a new year. God's a God of second chances. So no matter what your 2023 looked like, like I said, the good, the bad, the sideways, right? God's here in 2024, or whenever you listen to this, this new day, this new week, to say, hey, I will gather you. I'll bring you back. I'll give back to you my peace, my promise, my goodness, my grace. <clears throat> We're seeing again how even though he's he's promising both sides of the coin, right? He's promising destruction. He's promising exile. He's promising, you know, judgment. And yet he's also promising his faithfulness. He's promising his care and his redemption in the midst of all of this. Judgment was assured, but so was his restoration. Because he can't do one without the other. Amen. And so we're seeing how God wants to redeem and restore that which we've rebelled from him. And yet, what's verse 18 tell us though? He's going to restore Israelites, but they will return to it. And remove all its vile images and detestable idols. So God wants to redeem and restore on his part. What's our part in it? We have to remove what's distracting, dividing, 
and destroying our intimacy with him, especially idols, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, a bank account, a job, a title, whatever it is, right? Whatever that that is, that's distracting, dividing, and destroying our intimacy with him, it needs to be removed for us to return to him. Him to have those next steps for us, right? So our first application question as we go into uh, the new year. As you prepare for a new year and Daniel fast coming up, what could God be calling you to remove all of in this season in 2024? What's that remove all thing that you need to remove? Have a closer intimacy with him in 2024. <clears throat> Continuing on, uh, verse 19 through 21, we're seeing God's promise again. He's going to give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. He's calling his people back to him to bring healing and restoration. And so beautiful, we're seeing the same thing he prophesied here in Ezekiel. Because again, scripture confirms scripture, right? So Ezekiel is prophesying it here. And then further on, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 33, we're seeing the same prophecy, right? The same desire for God's people. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put, in my, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So we're seeing that same parallel scripture because, again, God desires restoration. He, he desires redemption. He desires his people. He desires relationship over religion. <clears throat> and it's a beautiful comparison of a heart of stone versus a heart of flesh, right? So the heart of stone, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, like, this, like the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, right? God tried doing it the stone way, making it, you know, something that, that they could touch and see, and read, and yet, it didn't work, you know? It's that, that religious spirit, right? It didn't work. And so what he has to do is give a heart of flesh. Heart of flesh is Jesus incarnate in the New Testament, right? We're seeing how that heart of stone of ten, the tablets of Ten Commandments didn't work. So the heart of flesh sent through Jesus the New Covenant, the New Testament, that relationship, right? So you can't have a relationship with a stone. And that's what he's saying here. You know, their hearts have become stone. Their hearts are far from him. They're closed off. They're cold. The heart of flesh, that soft, warmth, open, receptive. So he wants from you and me. And so, and that's what he sent through Jesus in that New Covenant, that New, you know, New Testament promise coming through. Amen. And so throughout the Bible, God's revealing his plan multiple times over, right? You see, generation after generation has different covenants. Um, the Abrahamic covenant, when he promised Abraham descendants, promised him a land and a nation and a blessing, right? In Genesis 12. <clears throat> um, a little further on, Exodus 19, the Mosaic or the Sinai covenant, which is Israel with the laws and the sacrifices. And the blessing or the cursing, right? Free choice, free will to his people. 
Uh, we talked about this recently in Soaping, Second Samuel, chapter seven. It's a Davidic covenant, which is promising King David, an everlasting dynasty, a perfect ruler, and promised Messiah to come from his lineage. And so we're saying over and over again, God's plan for redemption is by giving a covenant, not just a promise, not just, you know, like a, a human vow, a human piece of paper, but a, a godly, holy covenant to his people. <clears throat> we're seeing him, he's going to gather them, give them one heart, cleansing them with a new spirit, a heart of flesh. He wants a real relationship with his people. That they should be my people and I will be their God. Again, that same promise, the same covenant he made with his people then, he makes and keeps with us now. Amen. He wants one heart with all of us as church. He wants to give us a new spirit, that heart of flesh. He wants us to be his people and he will be our God because he loves his people that, that much. As he says, then they will follow my decrees be careful to keep my laws. And the only way we can do that, church, is by digging into his word, by reading his word, by soaping. Like this is this is January 1st at 6:30 in the morning, and you're already digging into God's word. That's huge. It's January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 12th. Maybe you're watching this and you're digging into God's word. That's beautiful. He desires that. He's 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 proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know? That's how we grow it in discipleship. That's how we grow as, as Christ followers. You know, we talk about equipping Christ followers as a vision of Fusion Church. And this is how. But, but And why? <clears throat> because it's the only way to follow his decrees and keep his laws and see his, his relationship growing in our hearts amongst our people, amongst the capital C Church. And so second applica- application question this morning, where in your life you need God to soften your heart and give you a heart of flesh as you press into him more in this new year. <clears throat> Closing out here. <clears throat> in verse 22, um, we're seeing the cherubim and this image of, you know, the glory of the Lord is with his cherubim and he's, he's leaving the city. The visions, he's, the visions coming to a close, right? But before he does, before you know, the Lord closes out this vision, uh, in verse 23, catch this. It says, The glory of the Lord went up from this, within the city and stopped above the mountain east of it. <clears throat> that mountain east of it, of, of Jerusalem, is the Mount of Olives, the same place where Jesus went after the Last Supper. And so we're seeing how the glory of the Lord Generations and generations and hundreds of years before Jesus, we're seeing how the glory of the Lord is stopping on this mountain to pause and to, to know what's coming. You know, you know, that place, that Mount of Olives, will be the same place where Jesus would submit to the Father's plan and therefore fulfill the covenant, the new covenant that's being prophesied here, right? That heart of flesh is what is, is being reflected on right here. By stopping on this mountain and overlooking the city and seeing what's going to happen years, thousands of years, hundreds of years later, knowing what's coming and yet following through with it anyway. And when Ezekiel comes out of this vision, it says, He told the exiles everything the Lord had shown him. 
he's going back. He could have done anything with his vision. He could have woken up and thought it was just a dream. He could have just shrugged it off. He could have been too scared to share it, right? Could have kept it to himself to encourage him own, his own his own self, right? Say, oh, they're they're all messing up. I don't need to tell them these things. Oh, they, they ignored me once. I don't need to tell them again. No, he's going back to encourage and draw God's people back. Was the exiles. He told the exiles everything the Lord had shown him to encourage them, you know? And so the application question to close out, who can you prayerfully encourage and draw back to relationship with Jesus this new year as you share what he is showing you and teaching you in your life? Who do you need to share this podcast with, the soaping with? Who do you need to share a message with over this last weekend's message? Pastor Ernest Grant had an amazing message as he visited us from Accelerate Church um, this past weekend. He had a great message on the unhurried life, you know? And again, that's that's a message for believers and non-believers, right? Now, where you fall, people are busy. People have are hurrying, stressing out. So even finding a message where it's 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 easy for people to connect with a really beautiful way to to share that encouragement and draw God's people back to him in this new year. So again, so we're closing out here are three questions this morning. Question one, as you prepare for a new year and for Daniel fast, what could God be calling you to remove all of in this new season and new year of 2024? Two, where in your life do you need God to soften your heart and give you a heart of flesh as you press into him more in this new year? And three, who can you prayerfully encourage and draw back to a relationship with him in this new year as you share what he's showing you and teaching you in your life? Let's close out. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. You're a God that keeps his promises. God, thank you that you bring redemption. You bring restoration. You bring relationship wherever you go, Lord. I thank you that you love your people too, too much to leave us in our own mess. So God, I pray right now in this, this time of, of reflection, this time of, of new perspective in the new year, God, I pray, open our eyes. Don't let us just see houses and don't let us see pots of comfort, God, but let us be challenged by your word, challenged by your truth, challenged, God, to walk in what you have for us the fullness of your blessing, the fullness measure, God, of your favor. And Lord, draw us closer to you in this year like never before. God, let we not walk into this new year. Let's not enter into 2024 the same way we leave it, God, but grow us these next 365 days. 366, because it's a leap year. (laughs) God, give us that time with you over these next days, weeks, months ahead and draw us back to you. Remove things that we need removing, God. Give us that heart of flesh that's soft and warm and tender and receptive to your promises and your provision and your love and your grace you have for us. We ask and pray and trust all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Have an amazing rest of your day, amazing rest of your week, of your new year. We are praying for you here. Our staff is praying for you all. We're so, so grateful to journey with this new year with you together. Amen. God bless. Have a great day.